Hello and welcome to Bellhaven Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Weber. On today's episode, we'll be listening to PSY 352, Social Psychology with Professor Nathan Smith. I hope you listen and enjoy. Okay, so we're starting off uh, looking at attraction. So in social psychology, attraction does not refer to only romantic attraction, uh, as I mentioned before. It refers to how people are drawn to each other in many different types of relationships. Uh, I like to think of, um, if you just think of a magnet, um, this might help you understand. When we talk about attraction, a lot of times it's easy for your brain to jump from attraction to attractive, you know, because they're two words that sound similar. So when you think of attraction, maybe a lot of times your first thought will be, oh, attraction, we're talking about people who are attractive, physically attractive people, beautiful people, models and celebrities and athletes or whatever. And this isn't a super helpful way to, uh, it's not a super helpful thing to jump to, right? You want to um, jump to something else. So um, it's hard to get rid of that entirely. Um, what I like to do is I like to replace it. So instead of thinking of attraction, attractive, I like to think of attraction like a magnet. And everybody is just a magnet, and the magnets kind of pull some towards them and push others away from them a little bit. You know, if uh, if you got to play with magnets in, in junior high and high school, you can put the, the two opposite poles uh, towards each other, and you know, they snap together, and you, you turn one around, and then you put the the similar poles and they kind of push each other away. Um, so uh, instead of thinking attraction attractive, just think attraction magnetic. How do, uh, you know, everybody's the same magnet and how do the magnets interact with each other? How do they attract? How do they repel? Etc. And also it's good to think um, not think particularly about relationships, but also thinking of friendships, right? So the second point there refers to how people are drawn to each other in many different types of relationships. Um, and not just romantic relationships and friendships, but also there are uh, family relationships. You probably, if you have a bunch of cousins, you probably have a favorite cousin. Uh, if you have a bunch of siblings, maybe you have a favorite sibling. Uh, I'm an only child, so I'm not, I don't want to talk too much about that because I don't really know. But um, my understanding is, um, you know, just like I have favorite, a favorite or favorite cousins and cousins that make me nuts, you might also have the same with siblings. You certainly, um, and this could apply in other social settings too, um, office settings, of course, but then also you might be part of a group, you might be part of a choir, um, you might be part of a sports team of some kind. You might be part of a book club or a knitting circle or whatever. And all of these laws of attraction, um, gosh, the laws of it, it sounds like a book, um, a book on, on um, romantic relationships, could not be farther from the truth. We're talking about um, these laws of attraction in this most general sense possible. And it applies to all of the different social interactions that you have. Um, even if you, you know, if you go to the same coffee shop up here uh, in New England, a lot of people go to Dunkin' Donuts, and there's probably um, a barista or a, a server at the coffee shop that you go to that you like more than the other ones, and 
Um, just that in itself is attraction. Um, there's one at the at the Dunkin' Donuts near me. There's a lady who calls everybody sweetie and is um, very nice and sweet and smiley and enjoyable to be around. And it's always you know it's always nice when when you're waiting in line and you go oh gosh good I get the lady who calls everybody sweetie. Right. So this type of attraction um, should be defined broadly and should be thought of broadly. So to the third point, attraction demonstrates the naturalist focus on survival. Maybe, maybe it does. An example of that would be more friends equals greater chance of survival. Um, yeah, that's, I'm not sure I love that example. Um, it could be true that, it probably is true in a, like a village setting, you know, a small village setting that the, the more friends you have, the greater chance of survival. You have more people who are helping you and more people who you are helping. Um, but then uh, having more connections, um, depending on the situation, could also be a, um, you know, could also be a negative. Um, so, uh, but we'll say uh, there are parts of, of attraction that could demonstrate this naturalist focus on survival of the fittest. Attraction also demonstrates the CFR understanding of our intrinsic relational nature. Right, relationships serve a redemptive purpose, and humans were created to be in relationships. And so attraction um, is part of what begins those relationships. So if we'll start with the factor of physical proximity when we talk about the factors related. So this is relatively straightforward in that proximity attraction principle Proximity, that is um, how close um, two people are to each other. Um, when we talk about being close, we talk about, usually we talk about proximity in space, right? So, um, you know, the one of my best friends who I've known for many years grew up two streets over from me in Reading, Massachusetts, where I grew up. Um, and I still see him, um, you know, a couple times a week. And uh, if we had grown up not two streets apart, but uh, two towns apart, this relationship probably would not have begun or developed and probably would not be going on to this day. All right, it's been, whatever, 25 years of friendship, probably based around growing up two streets apart. So this is what we're talking about when we're talking about proximity. Proximity is one of the best predictors of initial attraction and relationship formation. Um, Many pe uh, people are much more likely to befriend, date, marry those who have lived in close proximity. Um, this is something that is necessary but not sufficient, right? Um, you are probably not going to befriend, date, or marry a person you have never met. Uh, I suppose that does happen, but uh, it's very rare. The vast majority of the time, particularly in America, in the modern world, uh, that is to say in modern America, um, very few people are dating people that they have never met um, in a physical sense. Although, some of this is sort of getting eroded by, um, by Facebook, by, um, you know, other uh, online dating sites. Although there are some online dating sites, I think of, gosh, one of my friends uses, um, I forget what it's called, some, some online dating app on her phone but it, it only connects you to people who live within a few miles of you. So even in this modern world of app-based dating, 
the assumption is they want to connect you with people you are physically close to, you are proximal to, um, because those are the relationships that are going to work. Um, uh, so, well, let's, let's just talk about uh, the fourth point. Propinquity is the same as proximity. Propinquity, if you hear it on the street or read it in a text, propinquity and proximity are the same. Something good to know. And what might happen to the powerful role of proximity in our cyber world, and that is yet to be seen, we don't know. Um, some things like the dating app my friend uses take proximity into account. Um, I'm familiar with other dating sites um, that completely ignore um, proximity and connect anybody um, across the world. Uh, I have a friend who was actually in a Harry Potter chat room, if you can believe that, um, and in that Harry Potter chat room that she went to very often because she's a big fan of the book series, she eventually met her husband, um, who was from Seattle. She was from Reading, as I was. Um, so uh, this would, would have been impossible in an earlier age, but now it is not only possible, it's happening all the time. Something to think about, is, the, is proximity going to become less important over time? So why is proximity so powerful? Uh, the anticipation of interaction. If we think we will have interactions with somebody else, we tend to like them more. The mere exposure effect, or sometimes a slightly different variation is the repeated exposure effect. That is, the more we have exposure to someone, the more we tend to like them. And this has been demonstrated in laboratory settings over and over again. Um, just showing uh, somebody, somebody else's picture will make them like them more than uh, a picture, you know, than uh, somebody who they have never seen before. Even if there's no other stimulus connected to it, mere exposure, just being exposed to somebody will make you like them more. And yet, when we have initial negative impressions of someone, repeated exposures may lead to liking them less. And this is this kind of two-edged sword of proximity. So, um, how do we think about proximity and liking in a Christian context. So first off, no choice relationships. Those are relationships that we must be in, but are difficult. These are uh, different, um, different obviously than relationships that you choose to be in. So how do we honor the biblical uh, command to love in these instances? Um, and does the reason for the proximity, uh, for example, because the other is a family member versus because the other is a fellow prisoner, relate to the effects of our repeated exposure to them? Right. So um, when you think about when you think about the CFR, um, you think about um, all of the commands to love one another. Right. And you think of all of the examples. Uh, that Christ gave of, of loving people, particularly people who are very different than you, which we'll get to later. Um, but the command um, is to love and honor and obey parents. Uh, these are people in a no-choice relationship. Um, and to, to love your friends, love your enemies, uh, do good to those who persecute you, etc. All of these are talking about these no-choice relationships, and actually Christians tend to end up in these no-choice relationships a lot, right? You don't, uh, you get to choose sort of in broad strokes who you go to church with, um, but you may not get to choose who the people in your small group are, who the people uh, in your Sunday school class are, 
Um, so as Christians, we get the chance to, uh, the opportunity to uh, love, uh, learn about and befriend and love uh, in the Christian sense, a whole variety of different people um, just in the church. Uh, people you might not have ever been able to meet or um, people who, who you wouldn't have met because of proximity or because of schooling or because of uh, socioeconomic status or, or anything else. Um, and this is a great opportunity and a, a great gift um, that Christianity gives. And um, this, this, proximity, um, this proximity effect uh, is beneficial in the church, but then it's also the great opportunity we have to learn and to experiment with the love of each other um, is beneficial in this context as well.